0: All right, welcome back to another great episode of Dan on Top. I'm your host, Dan Lukowitz, and today we've got a very special guest. His name is Scott Jolly, and he is the owner and founder at Site Consulting Specialists. Scott, how you doing?
1: I'm doing great, man. How are you?
0: Great. Thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Really appreciate it. We're gonna button up one extra button here, I think. Um at any rate, just wanted to uh, thank you for being on the show, really appreciate it. We've been looking forward to doing this for a while, so we've got a lot to cover today. Before we get into the nitty-gritty, I'd like you to tell the world, who is Scott Jolly?
1: Scott Jolly is a husband, a father, a construction consultant, an outdoorsman. I love to ski and snowboard and backpack and all that kind of stuff. I played a lot of soccer growing up, and really just, yeah, that's who Scott Jolly is.
0: Awesome. Cool. So you're a father, your husband, outdoorsman. You played a lot of, you said a lot of soccer growing up. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Fantastic. And tell us a little bit about what it is that you do now.
1: So we are really a full service capital expenditure consulting firm. Uh, most of our clients are either public or private REITs that have, you know, either 50 to hundreds of assets across the country. Uh, most of our work is in industrial real estate logistics real estate manufacturing warehouse things like that so we help owners kind of tackle these larger capital expenditure projects we're the owners rep so we're an independent third party uh, we our job is really like to protect our clients and and actually you know be their advocate and, and to give them options and evaluate their assets so we take projects from Due diligence all the way through to
0: completion. Awesome. So you're actually you said hired on behalf of the owner. Is that correct?
1: Usually owner or a third party manager. One of those two. Yeah.
0: Okay. We and so what, work
1: directly a lot. Go ahead. Go ahead. We work directly a lot with asset managers. Okay. Uh, or the actual owners themselves. Yeah.
0: Mostly. Okay. Gotcha. So tell our viewers more about what you do now. It, from what I understand, you're not actually doing the construction or repair yeah. work yourself. Correct.
1: Yeah, that's right. We don't actually do any of the work. We evaluate the assets from a capital expenditure perspective, whether that's roofing, paving, ADA accessibility, HVAC, solar, those kinds of items. Uh, And in that evaluation process, we're taking core samples of the roof and the asphalt and these other things so that we know exactly what we have we can get an idea of how long that's lasted and then we'll compare that to their asset strategy so we're having conversations with them on like is short-term hold that we getting ready for a recap or disposition like where are we at in that cycle and then uh, we'll make recommendations with budgets and like a rough scope for them to review and make decisions on um, then we'll take it we'll actually write the specifications go out to qualified contractors, procure the work, schedule the work, and then be on site during construction to make sure that specifications are being adhered to.
0: Excellent. Okay. Gotcha. So you're, you're really acting as a liaison as well. uh, In many cases between the buyer and the seller to, to understand, um, you know, the condition of the property and maybe what type of capital expenditures might come up in the future. That's
1: exactly right. Yep. Excellent. And we work with the onsite like, and the and the ongoing operations team, right? So not just buyers or sales, but once a buyer acquires the property, we help them execute on those operational um, needs
0: for the capital expenditures. So you'll give them a game plan of, of what needs to be done and when?
1: That's right. Yeah. Gotcha.
0: Very interesting. Okay, great. And yeah. how did you get into this business? You know,
1: I've been in construction my whole life. Actually, uh, my grandfather was a bricklayer and a concrete mason uh, down in the South in Mississippi, and so I spent a lot of summers, 12, 13, 14, mixing mud and carrying bricks. Um, <clears throat> I poured my first foundation for a uh, I poured my first foundation for uh, a house when I was 17. Uh, I started my own my first mate, property maintenance company when I was 24. Uh, started buying my own assets, mostly single family apartments, things like that. When I was in my uh, early to mid twenties, um, and, and and that's kind of how I got. I was kind of born and bred
0: into the business, honestly. <laughs> born and bred in the business, and then you, you kind of took, took your own in direction construction, there. really. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I
1: yeah the recession really kicked my butt. I'll be honest with you. Like I went and got a job working for a big commercial paving company down in Southern California, uh, and that really took me from more residential side to working on large retail and industrial assets and that's what i've been doing now for the last um 11 years
0: okay excellent excellent and um so uh, in in terms of of you know your day-to-day what would you say is your favorite part about what you do
1: you know we love there's two things there's three things really i i love saving our clients time and money because we really come in we can they can fumble through a lot of getting bids from contractors and and, and trying to get apples for apples. And so we can save them a ton of time in that regard. And and we usually can get uh, a five or 10% or even more reduction in cost by bidding it competitively, negotiating with the contractors, Uh, So that's fun. The other thing I love is we travel a lot. So I've been pretty lucky to see, you know, the small towns in in the Pacific Northwest, like, uh, you know, up in northern Idaho, near Spokane of Washington and Coeur d'Alene, all the way to, uh, you know, little towns in Indiana and St. Louis and Cincinnati and New Jersey and Philly. So I love the travel. I'm a big foodie. So that's a big part of what I love to do as
0: well. That's awesome. Great. I mean, it's it's nice when your job affords you the opportunity to also take advantage of things that you enjoy, which it sounds like yours does. That's really wonderful. So what would you say is next for you and your business?
1: You know, we really feel like the next step for us is, um, is meeting is we're going to start offering a PCA. We're going to offer our own property condition assessment here in the next few months. Uh, we get handed property condition assessments all the time. Uh, and they're, commonly like the, uh, the, the owners are sending them to us and Hey, can you make heads or tails of this, um, and figure out what we need to spend? Is this accurate? Is it not accurate? Uh, and I think there's a lot of waste in the due diligence period. Um, because I, a lot of our clients, they're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars hiring a consultant for the asphalt, hiring a consultant for the roofing, mm-hmm. hiring a PCA and, um, hiring all these people. And we feel like we can consolidate a lot of that. We can be the one-stop shop for PCAs, for roofing, for asphalt, a lot of these larger items. And we really feel like our PCAs will be more accurate because we're in the trenches. We're mm-hmm. getting bids for these things all the time. Like especially right now, the escalation of costs that owners are trying to absorb is, is really can be difficult at times. So kind of understanding where those costs are going, where they're at now, what could change. I think we've got, a better handle on some of those items because we're contracting those jobs almost every single day.
0: So it sounds like the fact that you have you know your your boots on the ground and your hands in in the mix on a daily basis gives you uh, you know a more informed opinion uh, and you know more tools at your disposal to be able to consult your sellers and buyers as to you know what's going to happen in the market where prices are going what they should be looking at uh, you know spending over the near and short term is that accurate?
1: That is absolutely accurate. Yep.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Um, so I want you to tell us, what are some things that you think that commercial owners and managers should know about capital expenditures? And by the way, for yeah, anybody who doesn't, doesn't know this, capital <coughs> expenditures or CapEx are the uh, items uh, in a building or in a property that may need to be repaired in the future. Um, so they are going to be expenses that are going to be incurred um, you know, on, on behalf of the owner uh, during during their ownership of the property. Yeah.
1: And it really depends on the lease too, right? Is the is the tenant responsible right, that's for some of these items? I think, yeah. So it really depends, you know, we're we're thinking taking a lot of those things into consideration. The asset strategy, the lease terms, things like that. What owners and managers I think they could know is uh, you know, you wouldn't probably send your you probably wouldn't leave your house with a house full of high school kids and, and the keys to the Ferrari in the driveway. Uh, just cause you have a triple net lease doesn't mean you probably shouldn't maybe check on your property every f- from time to time. Make sure these larger items are being maintained properly. Sure. Uh, cause I really feel like a lot of tenants like they're really good at what they do, right? Logistics companies, these companies are really good at that. They're not so good. Uh, maintaining assets and that's you know we've seen a lot of sale leasebacks in the market lately and i think some a lot of them come with huge amounts of deferred maintenance because the the owner tenant hasn't really done a lot of work on Mm -hmm. them and and the other thing is is i think owners and, and managers probably have more options than they realize there are a lot of products out there there are a lot of options out there and and the contractors are really a lot of times like there are lots of roofing contractors. There's lots of shingle roofing contractors, There's lots of coating contractors. There's lots of single ply contractors. A lot of times they say they can do it all, but they may not have the experience or the tools to do it all. So they're going to recommend what they're good at maybe not necessarily what's right for that Mm. asset or that asset strategy so I think you know they probably have more options than they think they do same with the asphalt there's lots of patching repair contractors seal contractors some highway contractors that do more public works Uh, and and so understanding what kind of equipment they have especially in paving like a big milling machine to do a big mill inlay project is is really like six or seven hundred thousand dollars by the time you buy the milling machine, the truck to deliver it to the site, and the flatbed. So, understanding like what kind of contractors you're working with and what kind of equipment they have is something I think every owner and manager should know when they're looking to procure this kind of work.
0: So, because of your broad knowledge, again, you're able to provide guidance and advice that is maybe better suited for the, the owner <coughs> or the tenant, depending on the situation, as you alluded to before, yeah. um, you know, than yeah. a contractor who may have a specific knowledge in one. Type of of uh, you know of repair or maintenance.
1: Yeah, we look we work with the owners and tenants. Let's figure out what's most what's best for the asset and for that strategy. Then we'll go find contractors that can meet those requirements, not mm-hmm. the other way around.
0: Right, that's a very good point. So, are there any innovations that you see in products or services <laughs> that the owners might not know about currently?
1: I um, there are. There are a few actually in asphalt. Uh, I'll start there In asphalt, uh, for a long time, there's been a product around called Petromat paving fabric. Um, if owners have properties in California, they're going to start paying three to $700 a load to get rid of that, which can, which can alter a contract by like 20 or 25% sometimes, uh, increase in cost because the asphalt plants are, are paying to remove it because a lot of the asphalt gets recycled mm-hmm. uh, or they have to take it to a dump because the asphalt plant won't take it anymore. So that can cost a lot of money. Uh, there are newer, fa- uh, products. One is a, it's a similar product instead of a non-woven fabric. It's a, a fiberglass product called glass pave. Uh, and, and it, it can actually be chewed up in the asphalt and what that do, what these products do is they really extend the life of your asphalt so you can take alligatored asphalt or cracked asphalt put a new layer on uh it's the engineer's minimum recommendation has always been inch and a half but the ideal recommendation is two inches so we see a lot i've seen a lot of of these these products rolled out on like a quarter inch or half an inch wow. of asphalt so and in a, in a paving contract, that can be 40 or 50% of your cost. The material is super expensive. In roofing, it's more the labor, really. It's, they're very different. You know, so, understanding how the contractors get to these numbers is important, I think, from a project management standpoint, making sure you're getting what you're paying for. So, these products, glass pave, can be chewed up and recycled pretty easily. There's a newer product, it's actually been around for 15 years, it's made its way through. Uh, The municipal side of things, the public sector, it's called reinforced asphalt. There's really two main manufacturers of it, ACE and Fortify. Uh, They've been around, like I said, for about 15 years. They've installed tons on highways and roadways, largely used in one of two ways. You can either reduce an asphalt section, so if you have a specification that requires, say, four or five inches of asphalt, the, the reinforced asphalt can allow you to lower that, to say, three or four inches to reduce the cost of the installation while maintaining the resistance value, the structural integrity of the asphalt. Uh, you can also use it on overlays because these fabrics and this reinforced asphalt is really designed to it's mitigating reflective cracking. Whenever you put a new layer of asphalt on your parking lot, those cracks will reflect through over time. So whatever you have on the lower level will eventually appear in the, in the upper level. Now, these products are designed to mitigate that. Essentially, instead of having that show up in a few months or a couple of years, it should extend the life 10 to 15 years. So I can do an overlay for a third of the cost, extend the life of that asphalt for 10 or 15 years versus a replacement, which could cost three times as much. And you're only going to get 15 mm. to 20 years out of it anyway. So, and I can do that over and over again, uh, it usually aligns really well with the lease too right so you know then if you do that right before lease, the 10 or 15 year lease is sign that hey that's probably going to last through that lease term and at some point when it's time to renew the lease hey guess what you've caused all that damage mr tenant it's time for you to you know replace the parking lot that's so great. the other products in roof you know in, in roofing the uh, before i end on the asphalt reinforcement uh, It has been around 10 or 15 years now. It's a really great product. It's just making its way into the private sector. And we were probably one of the first consultants to start recommending it about five years ago because we used it on a project uh, and it really performed well. We've had, uh, we used it on Orange County uh, Transit Authority down in Southern California, and it's about six years old now and it has still less than 10% reflective cracking. And this was a really heavily deteriorated uh, driveway that buses are using every single day. So heavy transit, right? Heavy traffic and it's, it's performing really well um in roofing i think coatings really have come a long way they've been around a long time uh unfortunately you know a lot of the coatings are determined how good the existing roof is so a coating manufacturer will come out and they'll do what's called a pull test they want to see how good the existing roofing is the, the great thing about coatings is you can put coatings on over and over again and it's not considered a second roof system uh, per building code you can only have two roofing systems on at a time uh, because of the structural load that comes with putting an additional roofing system on. So that's why they limit it to two roofing systems. The coatings don't qualify though. So you can put a coating on and now you're getting 10 and 20 year NDLs. That NDL is really important. That's a no dollar limit. So when you're working with contractors, and manufacturers you know the manufacturer of the product is just as important as a person installing it sure. because at the end of the day the manufacturer is the one that owns the roof they've they're going to sign off on it they're going to give their warranty and as long as you maintain it properly if anything really bad goes wrong they're going to pay for it
0: Wow. Okay. So, listen. That's a lot yeah. of information for our viewers about coatings and roofs and <laughs> and, and, and different uh, you know products and services and all that great stuff. So, we definitely appreciate that. Let's take it a little more general of a direction. So, you know, you've been around yeah. the block. You've uh, you, you started. You know, you said you poured your own your first foundation when you were 17 years old. You've been in the construction industry. Now you're doing property condition assessments and you're you're helping buyers and sellers and tenants uh, understand. The types of products and services that they should be considering for their properties. So, with all of that experience, uh, tell us uh, the if if you could go back, right, knowing everything you know now, what would you have done differently? Let's say starting at that age of seventeen.
1: Um, gosh, I probably would have you know bought more real estate sooner <laughs> and <laughs> held on to it longer. In my professional career, um. Gosh, I probably would have gotten into r- roofing a little bit sooner. Uh, yeah, I was, I've always been really involved in site work, interior remodels, TIs, things like that. But roofing, uh, you know, there's not a lot of asphalt consultants out there and concrete consultants. Sometimes there's civil engineers or some civil engineering firms that are taking some of that on. Um, uh, but. In roofing, that's always kind of been around. I would have gotten to that a little bit sooner. I'm just now kind of getting some of my certifications. We do have a 35-year veteran on our team that we hired two and a half years ago to really help us build out that side of our business. And I, I probably would have gotten more into that. Uh, and, and, and even furthering on, like we're we see ourselves now in the future because our niche is building old buildings. If you've got something 20 years or older, that's where we usually come in play because it's be a that's lot of when cap these X. larger capex. Yeah. That's, that's right. That's when these capex wear out, and that's when you need to get them replaced. So, um, you know, I, I, as we move forward with our company, we're looking at, full building enclosure consulting. And so there are additional certifications we'll be getting to enter into that, but that opens us up to new construction now as well working with architects and working with owners, especially in, you know, as we're, you know, industrial properties, these developers are finding land that may be in wet soil, or, you know, maybe not an ideal situation to put a building, but that's where they want to put it. And so we can come in and help, you know, develop processes and, and find products that will help, provide lasting um you know waterproofing and things like that for the building enclosure on these buildings so i would have started down that road of roofing and building closure maybe like five or ten years ago uh versus just like four or five years
0: ago gotcha okay gotcha and what are your top three pieces of advice here we're gonna we're gonna close out the episode here soon what are your top three pieces of advice for the dan on top viewers
1: um, God, that's a great question. Top three pieces of advice you know, uh, makes identifying what you actually have is really important in the capital expenditure process. Contractors will come out and give you recommendations without ever opening up an asphalt or concrete or knowing what's really exist, existing. That can lead that's the number one lead to change orders. If you don't know what's there, if you don't, if you don't have any idea of what you have existing, it, it, you're really kind of shooting in the dark with making choices moving forward. Uh, the number one two is, I, I think regular inspections of these items Uh, I don't think a lot of the owners that we work with do those, especially I think with COVID less people were going out to properties, right? Less property inspections, I think were happening because of that. So I think a regular annual inspection is really important, not that you need to pay for, but if you, if you know what to look for, then, then even you can do it. Or if you have a facilities manager, if they know what to do, then you can do that. The third thing is, you know, um, Make sure you know what your options are and, and I wouldn't hesitate to share, maybe not your budget, but your asset strategy with contractors. Contractors, a good contractor will understand a product that's going to last that five to 10 year range and they're also going to understand the owner that wants to hold for 20 or 30 years and they're going to provide options accordingly. So those would be my, my biggest three things.
0: Awesome. That's great. Really appreciate that. Those are yeah. some valuable pieces of advice. Well, I think we're going to cue the the outro music here and wrap up the show. Um, any questions for me, or any, any last you know words of of wisdom you want to share with our viewers?
1: Uh, gosh, no, I don't think we have. I, don't, I don't think I get to know you quite a bit through our conversations. But you know, uh, the world's changing. There's a lot of uh, lead times for products right now, so it's it's February second. If you're working on projects, you should really be in contract in the next two to three months
0: there or, you, or go. you have
1: a real hard time getting good pricing and good products
0: all right so take all take right? advantage, step up right now, and make sure that you get your contracts set up so that uh, you don't uh, have some major price changes that Scott is uh alluding to coming here in the near future. Well, hey, I'm Dan Lukowitz, your host of the Dan on Top Show. This has been another great episode. Scott, we really appreciate having you on the show today.
1: Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate
0: it. Absolutely. Well, hey, tune in again. Check out our website, danontop.com. If there's anything I can do to be of service or to provide value, please reach out to me so I can help you with your commercial real estate needs. Dan Lukowitz, Dan on Top Show, really appreciate you guys joining us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon.